Let me set the scene. December of 2017. The Last Jedi releases and sells millions. And then, not even six months later, Solo releases. And still sells millions. But to Star Wars and Disney's expectations, it's basically a flop. So why are they doing it again? And how does this interview change how the Force works? And why do we need it? Welcome to Star Wars Uplink, your place for everything Star Wars gaming, the TV shows, and the movies. Let's jump in. Just you reconsider playing that message for him. There's a shakeup happening in Star Wars right now. Shakeup how? It was probably about a week ago that we got the announcement around Star Wars movies getting mixed up. So, what normally was going to come out in 2025 is now going to come out in 2026. But, well, the interesting thing here is that the Daisy Ridley Star Wars movie is expected to start filming April of 2024. Oh. So it's continuing on as expected from what rumors are saying. But there is some changes on when that movie is going to be released. So instead of December 19th, 2025, it is now moved to May 22nd, 2025. 2026. The even weirder part to all of this is that also releasing in 2026 is more than likely Dave Filoni's movie in December. December 18th to be exact. Oh boy. So I want to set the stage first with the previous example that we have of something similar to this happening. Mm -hmm. There's some differences and we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But first, Star Wars has always been a every few years kind of thing. 1977, 1980, 1983. There were these gaps of time in between each of the movies. Mm -hmm. And then there was a 10 plus year gap until we got the prequels. 1999, 2002, 2005, I think. And then there was another decade-long span of time before we got the sequels. So there's always been these large gaps when Star Wars movies come out. But the thing what Disney did is 2015, they released a movie. 2016, they released a movie. They took a couple years, and then they released The Last Jedi in Mm -hmm. 2017. Actually, no, it was just one year. So it was... (laughs) 2015, 2016, 2017. Hmm. And then about five months later, they released Solo. And according to Disney, they were disappointed with the sales of Solo. And that's why we stopped getting uh, the single people stories. Hmm. Originally, there was going to be like the Obi-Wan movie. There was going to be like these character name, a Star Wars story movies. Hmm. Oh, that would have been good. Right? Yeah. But then Solo happened. And it didn't perform as well as they would have hoped. It had a lot of background strife and drama, which, I mean, that's <laughs> that's just a Star Wars movie at this point. Yeah, this point for sure. Mm-hmm. Can't seem to get away from it. Exactly. And now it sounds like we got more drama. So there's a couple ways that you can look at this. My immediate reaction is, seriously, two Star Wars movies in the same year. Mm-hmm. And I I hold true to that. I think that is a bad idea. But if we look at Solo and one of the reasons it failed, one of the reasons it failed is it released five months later. The second reason it failed is it was not marketed very well. Mm. Because of the problems in the background, it didn't get the prioritization because they didn't know if it was going to hit the marker that it wanted to. So they didn't know that. So they weren't able to put as much oomph and effort behind the marketing around it. So that's one of the reasons it failed. But I I still think that people expect Star Wars to be these big momentous things that happen every few years. By the time this movie comes out, 
the last movie we'd have gotten would be 2019's The Rise of Skywalker. Seven years later, we're getting a new Star Wars movie. Do you think seven years later, it's time to have one movie, not just one movie, two movies in that same year? Personally, no. Mm -hmm. I think they should spread it out. Yeah. Um, And and they have time to do that. Like, Uh even if the movie's ready, just give it another year. Mm -hmm. Just push it back. It's fine. Yeah. Keep that first May one. Yeah. I personally prefer Star Wars in December, but I think May is a perfect time for something. Mm-hmm. Big blockbuster summer is a thing. That's why we're getting Oppenheimer, like Barbie movie, and like so many other movies in the summers, because that's mm-hmm. when the, the big movies happen. It worked getting that Skywalker saga, because it was one every year. And it was every other year. Every other year. Yeah. 2015, 2017, 2019. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so it was every other year. Yeah. My bad. And then they had like Rogue One and Solo that filled the gaps in between those, but they weren't like... Gotcha. They weren't right. every year. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Huh. Because, well, technically, it, we would have gotten a Star Wars movie each calendar year. So by not moving that second movie... Mm-hmm. We're getting two in the same year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's a couple other changes that happened during this. So they officially put in... We, we knew there was going to be another Star Wars movie, but we didn't know necessarily when it was going to be. That's when they set the second Star Wars movie, which is probably going to be Dave Filoni's movie in 2026 in December. And then they're also going to have another movie in 2027, December 17th. So we now have three Star Wars movies in the span of two years. Mm-hmm. I personally think that's way too much Star Wars. But the thing that's different around this time that sets it apart from like Solo and The Last Jedi is we're going to, we've had seven years. It's going to be May 22nd, that first movie is going to be. And we don't necessarily know why it got moved, but it's probably due to like writer strikes or something like that, mm-hmm. director strike. Who who knows the, the details on that? But it's only getting moved like six months later, something like that. Hmm. Yeah. So it doesn't seem like a whole lot of time considering how long we've waited for a Star Wars movie, but there's got to be something along those. But we do know that it's going to be Daisy Ridley's movie. We know that Dave Filoni's movie is also there. Taika Waititi's got a movie, and James Mangold's movie is going to be out at some time in the future, which we'll talk about that later on in the episode. There's so many different things here, but the thing that sets it apart from the original fiasco is we've got it in May. That first big Star Wars movie in seven years is in May. And then June, July, August, September, October, November, December. We've got seven months of leadway instead of five. They could just put more marketing behind it. They want Star Wars to do better. They want, I mean, that's why we're getting Star Wars movies. That's why they're so gung-ho on it. It's because Disney struggled financially during the pandemic with Disney Plus and the investment that they had there. They're down a billion dollars. So they're they're wanting to have more of these big budget, big name movies go out that are sure to be successes because they need them to be successes so they're more than likely going to put more marketing money behind them but it just leads me to ask the question do we want star wars to be marvel personally no Mm -hmm. marvel's doing its own thing let marvel be marvel yeah marvel can release two movies three movies four movies a year and be pretty okay with that Mm -hmm. people expect that but there was even an issue with you and star wars when it first started, like 2015, The Force Awakens, Rogue One came out, <laughs> and you thought it was the sequel to The Force Awakens, yeah, and then you're like, what the so heck is Darth Vader doing here? Yeah. I don't know if that's a marketing thing. I don't know if that's just my ignorance to like going into this movie. Mm. I just knew it was Star Wars. I figured 
I'd figure it out, and I yeah. did not. But with that like out. cadence, a lot of Star Wars fans are either parents, grandparents at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, there's such a wide breadth of Star Wars fans right now. A lot of them pay attention and watch this podcast, or like they pay attention to the news. But are you really going to go from Daisy Ridley's story? going back in time to Dave Filoni's story, how does that make sense considering the Star Wars kind of cadence that we had before hmm. in that amount of like compressed timeline? Obviously, it's probably not going to keep this consistent, like not going to keep this pace. Yeah, it's true. So it's a really mm-hmm. strange pacing. Yeah, it just seems like a band-aid over something that's happening internally that they're like, mm-hmm. crap, we need to put this mm-hmm. forward for whatever reason that is. But also they're like, Dave Filoni's movie's different. But I think that also struggles. They're going to have a very interesting marketing decision there with how they package this for the general audience. Yes, for sure. I mean, I don't claim to know really anything about the (laughs) movie industry or anything like that. But it just seems like this must have been some sort of strategic talk. Like there must have been something that was that Mm -hmm. they talked about being like, okay, but if we're going to move this back, do we move this other movie? Mm hmm. Maybe not yet. Like, what is the thinking behind Because there's still a that? chance for it to get moved. Right. And honestly, I think it probably will be moved. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. I don't think that Daisy Ridley's movie is going to be moved anymore. Right. I think that's set in stone. Mm-hmm. They need a Star Wars movie in theaters as quick as they can. Mm-hmm. 2026 is probably going to be that close, that closest number, which is still three years away. Almost exactly three years away. Mm -hmm. And that's a good amount of time to get some good polish on that Star Wars movie. But it's a good enough time to have the polish on Dave Filoni's Star Wars movie. Right. This is the first time he'll be directing a movie. He's helped on Rogue One before. He's helped in these other situations. But this is his first time full movie directing. And that's a different beast from TV shows. For sure. You've got a well, lot of keep keep a lot of different things in mind. Well, and with that movie wrapping up all these TV mm-hmm. shows, more than likely. Yeah. Um, it, it's going to run into the same issue Ahsoka is going to run into mm-hmm. with how do we keep audiences engaged? How do we keep the audiences that watched all of the TV shows engaged? And how do we catch up all the people that didn't watch Ahsoka, that didn't watch Mandalorian, that didn't watch... Because that's what you have to do when mm-hmm. you're releasing a movie. You can't expect everyone to have watched everything. Yeah. Marvel doesn't do that. Even with the TV shows and the movies. Like If you look at Doctor Strange into the Multiverse of Madness, it didn't really... It kind of played a little bit with Wanda's stuff, but it didn't actually like not really ever connect to <laughs> WandaVision. Yeah, you really didn't need to know anything about you didn't need to see WandaVision to be able to mm-hmm. at least enjoy that movie. Yeah. You would have had a deeper understanding of what was going on. And you probably would have been even more upset with that movie if you watched WandaVision. Probably. But <laughs> they they took into account the audience has probably not watched any of the TV shows. Mm-hmm. Oof. So yeah, that's a really hard switch. Just, mm-hmm. and that's maybe a topic on a whole other scale to talk about a movie. Like, what does that movie have to be to be mm-hmm. able to accomplish all of that? It's kind of a different topic for, for another day. But, but then to have that at the same time. Yeah. I don't know. Uh-huh. That's a big ask, and that's. And this is the first time we're going to get a Star Wars movie in theaters in six and a half, seven years. Yeah. It has to do well. It has to be the best Star Wars movie we've ever gotten. Honestly, like that's that's all hmm. that's riding on it. I wonder almost if it could work. 
Like, what if they market? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think it's a good idea. Right. But if they market it well, it could work. Right. Like, what if they're marketing mostly for just your standard Star Wars fan for, like, the Daisy Ridley movie? Mm -hmm. But then they're targeting all of the TV people being like, yeah, we've got the movie out for you But it's still not as big of an audience as, like, the general. Like, we always talk about that Star Wars funnel. We've mentioned it before Mm -hmm. of everyone's going to watch the live action movies. A fewer amount of people are going to watch the live action TV shows. Uh, fewer amount are going to watch or play the video games and then even a fewer amount are going to watch the animated shows mm-hmm. even fewer amount are going to read the books and even fewer than that are going to read the comics so you have this tie like this funnel you have to with the movies they're going to be in theaters they're going mm-hmm. to be some g- grandma grandpa is going to take their grandson or granddaughter or whoever they're going to take them to the movie and they're going to say, oh, hey, a new Star Wars movie's out. Right. Let's go watch mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So how do you make it How do you make it work for all the audience? Mm-hmm. Ugh, I yeah. don't know. I don't and know. And that's before we even talk about what lore could be brought into this. Because mm-hmm. I think that's a very exciting time period. They're jumping even further along, I think, 15 years into the future of mm-hmm. Daisy Ridley. Oh, okay. And apparently Daisy Ridley is not going to be the lead. Daisy Ridley's going to be um, more of like the Luke Skywalker figure. That's kind of what I thought. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I know a lot of fans wanted more of like the pickoff right at the end of The Rise of Skywalker. I don't think the characters are interesting enough to be able to do that. Like, what's the problem in the galaxy? But 15 years gives them enough time to say, hey, something's happening. We yes. don't know what that is, but there's probably something happening. Mm-hmm. Something's Somebody's stirring the pot by now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a vacuum. There's a power vacuum with the the destruction of the new order, the, f- the final order, whatever you want to call them. There's a power vacuum there. Who's going to fill it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll probably get into that. And also, Daisy Ridley has been working on setting up the new Jedi Order, more than likely. Mm-hmm. I should think so. It'd be really interesting to see that contrast of being so far in the future and then with this new mm-hmm. yeah you're going from the going 15 years in the future yeah, to like to before thousands, thousands of years back <laughs> yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a really good tens contrast. of thousands of years back if you're we're looking at james mangold's yeah, movie exactly yeah to the origin of and that's what excites me so much about star wars is you have this massive galaxy and timeline that you can play around with mm-hmm. marvel doesn't have that Mm. They kind of play around with that with the multiverse. They kind of play around it with like Eternals and all that kind of stuff. But they don't have Star Wars is built on that timeline. It's built on jumping around, getting all these different experiences and like explorations of the force. That's like the main foundation of Star Wars is that force and those characters. But that's the struggle of, okay, yes, we've got this massive timeline, but how do we make sure that our audience is aware? And I think they've done a good job so far with Andor, BBY. Mm. I think that was the first official like on-screen usage of BBY. Really? Yes. Whoa. Uh Before that, it was more of like a fan-created thing. It's like before Battle of Yavin, after Battle of Yavin. Goodness. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like I've just been part of this like very historical moment for Star Wars. Yeah. Like BBY is a thing now. Mm-hmm. What? That's why Star Wars. Uh, but I think it was Eckhart's ladder said this. He's like, well, if they can use BBY, I don't have to say before Battle of Yavin. There we go. So it's official. It's being used, <laughs> and I think that's what's most exciting about this like very vast timeline. Obviously, we've got some good potential for Star Wars movies. Taika Waititi said he's got most of it 
written. He's just find, trying to find and write the final act. That's exciting. I never know how far these guys get into this stuff, mm-hmm. you know? It's like... But he's he's at least motivated. Like, yeah, he's putting stuff together. Yeah. At least there's, like, an actual plan mm-hmm. that he can propose and have and yeah instead of just yeah i'm gonna direct this thing <laughs> I'm, do- I'm, cool. I'm doing this guys so i'm still gonna go and write all these other things before i actually get there mm-hmm. but yeah and then on that same kind of through line we mentioned this earlier but james mangold has been making the rounds with interviews promoting indiana jones and the dial of destiny so he mm-hmm. was the director for that but he's been asked a lot about star wars because he's going to be directing that big epic around the origins of the force he says this quote well i've talked to lucasfilm before and even worked a bit before on other projects and i'm always interested in what's going on there and have friends who work on other star wars projects but i understood that much of what they were doing was kind of continuing the saga forward so when i mentioned to kathy the idea that i had about going backwards really far backward i was surprised that it excited her and the other wonderful people who she works with at lucasfilm for me it's about i want to be a part of the saga but i also don't want to be holding so much lore in the air that they can hardly tell a story mm-hmm. and what i really wanted to do what i told her was just can we make a kind of the 10 commandments of the force you know a kind of origin story of how the force came to be known understood wielded and harnessed hmm. this is very exciting to mm-hmm. me i think this right here is something that is very unique that james mangold is going to have the ability to do for sure what a great idea also, I would love to, I just want to point out his wording Yeah. for um, how he just wants something that he can, something that he can make a good story out of. Mm-hmm. Take off the shackles of the lore uh-huh. and create something entirely new. Yeah. Because he is going to be creating an entirely new era that I assume will have books on, that I assume will have comics on. Mm-hmm. He's going to be like. Well, he potentially could be like the new Dave Filoni, mm-hmm. like in bringing era, in these yeah. new characters. And mm-hmm. don't say that, or Dave Filoni's going to kick no, no, out no, his no. project. No, no, no. Yes, Dave Filoni is his own thing, and Ahsoka uh, is his own her own yeah. beast. So I feel like George Lucas is God, and then Dave Filoni's like Jesus <laughs> in Star Wars. Yeah, that works out. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. And then you have like John Favreau who's like the Holy Spirit. Oh no. Oh. <laughs> the Trinity of Star Wars. Oh dear. Uh-huh. I think we got to branch out. Yeah. And then James Mangold's coming and he's like the, the fallen Moses. angel. <laughs> True. Yeah. Trying to create his he own earth. Oh, gosh. Needless to say, it's going to be very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> exciting times for Star Wars. So I think this is very fascinating because something that this story is going to be building around is that origin of the Force, of that harnessing of the Force. And we didn't know, like, in Star Wars, we've seen mentions of it. In the Clone Wars, we saw the father, the son, and the daughter, mm-hmm, which represent true. the different sides of the Force, the dark side, the light side, and then the balance in between being mm-hmm. the father. So we have that example But that's as close as we've come to, like, really expanding on the mysticism of the Force. Mm. And George Lucas in the prequels tried to make it more of a scientific thing with the midichlorians. Mm. And that's definitely coming from the line in Star Wars of it's in every living thing. It binds us. It holds us together. That that phrase from Obi-Wan. That's where James Mangold can come in, and I love that he's like, let's make the Ten Commandments of the Force. What is the, the, what are the people that 
discovered they have this attunement to the force and how do they set up the foundations of the force they could even get into the the kind of severance of the light side and the dark side Mm -hmm. of more than likely we'll have quote unquote the gray jedi in that foundation Hmm. before you have like a a destructive force of I don't know like some big moment that tears apart what these people are doing to create their society or religion or organization community whatever you want to call it and mm-hmm. in, in using the force what is that moment that kind of severs everything to where you have this example of the light side and the dark side you make a good point with like the mysticism that we get in Clone Wars and then the very scientific in the prequels. Mm-hmm. I I really am now fascinated about how he's going to tackle that. Yeah. Like when it's origins, it's kind of it's so much of both mm-hmm. and because you're you're in it and so it feels real and scientific, but at the same time it's so new that yeah. it's so mystical and it's so like Oh man. Mm-hmm. But I think that's what's going to be fascinating is like who who is who are these people? It's mm-hmm. 25,000 years before the prequels. It's this massive breadth of time mm-hmm. before anything we know of in Star Wars. He has the opportunity to build on these foundations and create his own characters, create his own lore, create his own mysticism, create his own force, really. Mm-hmm. If the force is within every living thing already, there is no like origin point. Right. It's it's probably going to be like the origins of like the Jedi or the Sith, like the origins mm-hmm. of the people who learned to harness this power mm-hmm. rather than like we created the force, guys. No, yeah, for <laughs> sure. It's definitely just a it's like children learning something for the first time mm-hmm. and then just digging deeper and deeper, 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 deeper without knowing yeah. the limits. And so they're going to go too far. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and that's then how the that's dark going to create in. this polarizingness mm-hmm. that we know today sort of thing. Yeah. So it's going to be really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we haven't seen what James Mangold has been able to make with the Indiana Jones franchise, but he's successfully created a Lucasfilm project, which is huge. I feel like once you've done that, you've like proved your mettle within <laughs> Star Wars or within like directing to be able to circumvent these massive expectations held on these characters, especially someone like Indiana Jones, Mm -hmm. which it has such, it's a smaller fandom, but it has such a love and respect for that series. And it's had um, such a strong, it's created its own genre, basically. Like this is an Indiana Jones movie that has been replicated in like Uncharted in the Tintin movie and like these different moments you can almost use like an indiana jones movie as kind of like a style that Mm -hmm. you can create a movie as yeah i'm I'm very much interested in watching that movie one it's in a new indiana jones movie but secondly like what does james mangold look like when he directs something i watched i think it was like 15 minutes of footage from the movie at star wars celebration and it, it felt like a fun little romp in like Indiana Jones. <laughs> Did that that didn't necessarily give you a sense of what James Mangold can do sort yeah, of thing. It didn't give me like an idea of what what does it look like for his him to tell a good story in, in this place because mm-hmm. it was a chase scene. You mm-hmm. don't get any story yeah. like 
complexity or emotions or anything like that. But from the early previews, the movie is very mixed in its reception. So we'll see how that goes when it when it really releases and we get to be able to watch it in full. So like looking back on the experience that James Mangold has, it's very interesting to see what he's done in the past because he did 310 to Yuma, he did Walk the Line, he did Ford v Ferrari, which was uh, very successful, and he did Logan as well as The Wolverine. I, I think the, the Wolverine is a terrible movie, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the good kind of trash. Yeah, but Logan was really good. <laughs> it was very good. And I feel like he can do these like really deep emotional storytellings. I think Logan was a good example of that, of like action paired with like deeper understanding. It was like, it's basically like The Last of Us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, X-Men version. Yeah, X-Men The Last of Us. <laughs> It's going to be interesting to see him create something new. Yeah. In a space that That's what's so unique about this project. Yes. He's not working in, okay, this is set in between the sequels and the original trilogy. Mm -hmm. And you have to include this character and this character. Yeah. No, there's none of that. There's no no potential for any Clone Wars characters to be in it. There's no potential for any original trilogy characters in it. There's no potential for any prequel characters to be in it. There's nothing that you can say, yeah, there's going to be a cameo in this Mm -hmm. with this person. It's an entirely new era set further back than we've ever seen. Further back than... like the Knights of the Old Republic, then the Old Republic. It's set further back than anything that we've seen before in Star Wars. There are no characters, there's nothing, and I think that's where he can really shine as a storyteller and as mm-hmm. a director. And, and I think one of the things that he really struggled with with Indiana Jones from these reviews is he's got to use the characters and the history of Indiana Jones and pull that forward. And everyone has a different view of what Indiana mm-hmm. Jones as a character is. Everyone has a different expectation for that and how that works. What does it look like for him to have free reign mm-hmm. to create something entirely new? With only like this North Star of mm-hmm. where it has to end up. Yeah, like, it, has it has to feel to like Star Wars. to push everything towards mm-hmm. what we already know for Star Wars. What does technology look like into the Star Wars universe? Right. That's yeah. going to be fascinating. Uh-huh. It could be, we could see like the origins of discovering kyber crystals and using that as like a tool. Mm-hmm. That would be freaking awesome. Just imagine all the cool cosplays that we're going to get oh from this movie. Gosh. <laughs> this is going to be cool. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's what I'm really looking forward to with this movie is like the variety of storytelling, the variety of like openness that we won't be seeing in the Dave Filoni verse and the Mando verse. We won't be seeing in like the new Daisy Ridley movie. We won't mm-hmm. be seeing something like this in the Taika Waititi film. Like they're playing in the sandbox and <laughs> James Mangold's like, I'm going to make something new. I'm going to make my own thing over here. It's not a sandbox. I mean, it's going to be in a box, but I might do something over here. It's going to have all the same things that you have here in your sandbox, but I'm just going to like take everything out and build something entirely different. It's like writing a fanfic versus writing something yourself. Like mm-hmm. that's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like reverse fanfic. <laughs> yeah, you're creating the fiction. <laughs> creating the sandbox to that that fiction yeah. came out of. Mm-hmm. And there there could be other movies set around that same same timeline. I feel like as we get further on in this idea mm-hmm. of. Star Wars of this timeline. We officially now have KOTOR, the Knights of the Old Republic, official. Like mm-hmm. it's canon. It's we didn't know until Star Wars Celebration 2023 that Knights of the Old Republic was an official era that they could play around with. Mm-hmm. And now we've got two new eras on top of that. 
So I feel like as we get further on in the story and in the timeline in these movies that are coming out, we're going to see TV shows like Acolyte that are set in the the High Republic era. We're going to see TV shows like Mando and Ahsoka and Skeleton Crew that are set in the Mandoverse that are expanding that story. And we could see stuff like Andor, which is filling in the gaps between other movies. And then we can see all the way over here in James Mangold's universe. Like, what does it look like for these variety of stories to be told? And who are we going to attract to either direct, star, write, illustrate, if we're looking at the comics? Like, you can attract a completely different audience of creators to tackle this universe now. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. It's also a little nerve-wracking. Yeah. Just because, like, when you get start getting this deep into one universe, mm-hmm. how are you not going to become like a Marvel, you know, like how do you keep it still Mm -hmm. Star Wars and not just fall into, we're going to have 17 movies Mm -hmm. and 40 TV shows all in two years. You know what would be fun? They all interconnect. It's like, Uh no, no, no. Well, they do just not as like deeply as Marvel is trying to do or DC is trying to do. Yeah. So. Very much looking forward to it. Let us know your thoughts in the comments below if you're watching this on YouTube or contact at uplinkpodcast.com if you're listening to this wherever you find podcasts. As always, hey, thanks for listening and may the force be with you.